Hey, lovely people, Parshel with the Authors Leverage. Today, I am so excited for this conversation. We're going to be talking about why every author needs a platform. And really, in today's day and age, as we're going to learn uh, in this conversation, gosh, <laughs> when you go to publish a book, uh, what publishers are looking for in a lot of cases is what your platform is. And that's also going to be uh, of course, a solid foundation for all things when it, as it relates to you as an author and what you can achieve and what's possible for you. And so today's conversation is going to be so good around this. And uh, this has been one conversation I would say I've been looking forward to since we first talked. So this is going to be a treat. Uh, thank you for being here and let's get started. You're listening to The Author's Leverage. You've written a book. You got it published and you know you can make a much bigger impact with it than you already have. Maybe you're in the process of writing and publishing and want to be smart about how you help others and make more money while doing it. Welcome to the Author's Leverage Podcast, your guide to building a profitable business and changing more lives with your published work. This is the number one show that brings you tips on making you a more successful author from the very best experts around every week. Our mission is to help you blast through the noise and get you clear on your path to success as an author. You'll be equipped with practical tips and insights from host Parshel Tashi and her featured guests. And you'll leave each episode more excited, more confident to get that dream authorship life that you deserve. So sit back, relax, and get ready. We're about to get real. We're about to clear. And from here, the sky's the limit. Here's your host, a former school teacher turned creative media entrepreneur and now founder of the Authors Leverage, Parshel Tashi. Ooh, today I'm joined by Megan Stevenson. She has spent her entire career in traditional book publishing, starting as an editorial intern in 2004 at Simon and Schuster, and ascending to associate editor at Penguin before launching her own business in 2012. Megan has worked on multiple New York Times bestsellers, including developing the idea for The Bro Code, which has sold over 400,000 copies. And since launching Megan Stevenson's books, she has helped over 100 authors write book proposals, sell their ideas, and publish books. And with a focus on prescriptive nonfiction, nonfiction, Megan and her team help entrepreneurs and experts write book proposals that sell to major publishers. To date, she's helped clients earn more than $2 million in advances from major publishers. Recent deals include It's Not About the Money by Tasha Cochran, How to Lose Weight for the Last Time by Dr. Katrina Ubel. Ooh, these names, I hope I'm <laughs> And we should all be millionaires by Rachel Rogers. Now I'm very familiar with that one. As a proud leader of an all-female team, Megan's mission is to change the world by helping entrepreneurs and experts share their message with readers who need it. She lives in Seattle with her husband and her Dashin Poodle Diva Mix Caramel. Uh, I'm so, so excited. Welcome, Megan, to the Author's Leverage. Thank you. Actually, it's so funny. So there's like slight updates. I was like, oh, I think she probably has an old bio. We've made our authors $4 million. Hey, <laughs> thank you for, thank you for setting the record straight. It's like, yeah, nope, like there's been old. an update. We also added a dog. <laughs> <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff that needs to be updated. All sorts of here. things happening. You know, you add a million, you add a dog. It just sort of happens. A million and a multi. <laughs> that's what I say. Yes. 
And I'm so, so glad we're having this conversation around uh, platform building. I mean, this is one of the things that you really support authors in because it's necessary whether you're going in, in a traditional path or something that is, you know, more self-published, right? Um, I would love to hear just about your experience and what has been like your biggest ahas and takeaways from your journey thus far in this space in, in the industry. So what's really interesting when we talk about platform, I mean, I, I've had a billion ahas, I feel like, but when we talk about platform, what's really interesting to me is that a lot of times I hear from people that apply to work with us, hey, like, I really want to publish, but I don't want to have to do this author platform stuff. And, and so I'm just going to go self-publish and it's like, okay, great. Well, how do you expect people to find your book? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just really funny. We don't, as authors, we don't think about that promotion, like that, that author, the reader finding your book very often. Right. And so as a editor at a publishing house, I got things in and I would do, you know, critical analysis on them and say, mm, 10,000 people on an email list. That's not very many. And then when you start building your own email list, you're like, 10,000 is a lot, a lot of people, right? And so there's this disconnect between I, what I would say, like, you know, the online entrepreneurship world where I hang out a lot and the traditional publishing world, right? Because what the traditional publishers want in terms of platform and what entrepreneurs have in terms of platform, there's, there can sometimes be a big gulf there. Yeah, yeah. I talk a little bit about that, like, because when it comes to platform building and having a platform as an author, what does that look like? What does that mean in the way that you describe it and teach it? Yeah. So in the way I teach it, and I, I'm unique in this space because most people don't teach platform and traditional publishing. They sort of go like, build a platform, la, 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 la. So it's like, they don't actually know how to do it <laughs> because yes. they don't need to know how because the authors, there's so many authors, right? Um, there's like a deluge of authors coming at us all the time in the publishing industry. So we don't necessarily need to know. We just say, hey, you need a platform. And that's sort of where they leave it. I took the opportunity to teach it because as an online entrepreneur, I had to grow my own platform. I'm here. This is a platform building activity, going on somebody else's podcast and being a podcast guest host, right? Or a guest. Um, you are building your platform as a podcast host and creating the brand around the author's leverage, right? Those are all platforms that we're creating. Um, Facebook has made everything confusing because it's also a platform. But when we talk about platforms in the publishing space, what we really mean is audience and reach. So your direct audience and then how many people do you reach? I don't directly reach every single person that's going to watch this or listen to this, but now I do, right? They're not in my audience automatically, but now I can reach them because I could always, if I had a book tomorrow, I could call you up and say, hey, Parshal, I'd love to come back and do, you know, a podcast on my book. And you might, if my book was interesting enough, you might say, yeah, come back, right? Um, and so that's really what publishers looking for because then when you promote your book, when you turn around and you say, hey, I do have a book, I wanna promote it, you can reach those people. And that extends to everywhere. So it extends to podcasts, obviously like this, YouTube shows, social media, relationships, because if I know you and you do a live event every year, maybe you'll have me speak at your event or, you know, buy books for the event or whatever. It counts to traditional media, which is the way I, I think a lot of people think of it. I had an author on Good Morning America over the weekend. That's a great example, right? Gianni will probably have her back. Um, things like that. Um, what else can I think of? Your email list, for sure. Uh, the publishers don't think that's as important as I do or as entrepreneurs know it to be. Entrepreneurs know that your email list is gold because those are people that already know, like, trust, care about you. And so they're easily sold to. 
um, versus, you know, average Instagram user or average podcast listener. And so that's really important as well. Um, so let me think if I've lost anything. Speaking engagements and facilitation for those authors that work with corporate, that's really important. Um, so speaking facilitation, I have a lot of educator entrepreneurs in my world. And so that's a really big thing. Um, the conference circuit sort of counts in that for certain people. It really depends on what your customer is. Um, because we only work on how-to nonfiction, we tend to work with entrepreneurs and experts who do a lot of speaking and facilitation. Um, and so that can be really helpful uh, because that way they, it's a really easy way to sell a lot of books. Absolutely. And those are all really great ways just to kind of paint that picture of like what a platform really looks like. Cause it's not just an email list. It's like all these other um, avenues that are available. What, what do you suggest or how do you work with authors, let's say who are starting at that, that place of saying, all right, now I want to get started. This is important. What are those next bits that you're advising that they have in place or that they start to work on? So when com someone comes into our world, we talk to them about the three Ps. So potential, platform, and proposal. That's how you get a book deal, right? We only work at my company. We only work with people that want a traditional book deal. Um, and that's because it's the world we know. I don't like, there's a lot of publishing out there. There's so many options for authors. I think it's amazing. I'm not against self-publishing at all. I'm against sort of stupid self-publishing. Just like going and self-publishing just because it's there. It's like... Okay, this is terrible. And I'm going to just pre-apologize for what I'm about to say because I'm sure it's going to offend someone. <laughs> okay. I don't work on what I call grandpa memoirs. And what that is, it's like your grandpa writes a book, right? There's an amazing Facebook is serving me up some serious ads for this brand. That's all they do is they take grandma uh, okay, and grandpa's yeah. story and like package it up really well and probably make it readable. And like mm -hmm. give it to people. And that's amazing. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I don't work on those kind of books. Like life's too short for, for me personally at those kind of books. Many right. other people do that. But I don't know everything about self. I even stay kind of dumb purposefully about hybrid publishing, which is like pay to play publishing. Um, so I stick in the world that I know, which is traditional publishing. In traditional publishing, there's a ton of gatekeepers that is sort of intentional. Again, swarms of authors. Um, we used to have authors come to the office and try to submit their books in like, you know, 2010. Like, mm. it just is crazy. So they get overwhelmed by stuff. I forgot where we were going with this question. Where did we start? Um, so where, yeah, where they should start. Where they start. So when we talk about that, the first thing, obviously, because we're working in the world of traditional publishing, those are the things that you need to do. It does not apply to hybrid necessarily. And it does not um, apply it to self-publishing. But I think it's a good thing for everyone to think about when they're considering their books and, you know, writing your book, promoting your book, publicizing your book. Um, so the first P is potential. So for us, that's the book idea. I, I've actually had and worked with authors that have huge audiences and huge platforms. And if their idea sucked, we couldn't get any traction on it. So that's really important. The idea still matters. Everybody thinks we're like, crass capitalist opportunist people in traditional <laughs> publishing and to some extent that's kind of true but the idea still matters there's still a bunch of people that really care about reading and books and the impact books have so mm -hmm. the idea is still really really important so potential is our first p most people overcome that hurdle when they come to us they've got something that you know as my old boss used to say could be a book in there right 
-hmm. they've got a kernel of an idea or maybe they've already written a decent amount or they've already started thinking about what their book could be. That's a great time. If we think there's potential in the market for a book like that, we'll have the conversation with them um, to talk about where we could progress further. And that sort of gets into our other two Ps, which, you know, not ironically or incidentally, um, correspond with the services we offer. So platform is the next one. So that's the audience, right? Those levers that I talked about before, speaking, press, publicity, um, you know, your own audience, your own direct audience that you can reach, um, your email list, your network, um, you know, how many important friends you have with thousands of followers, all that kind of stuff that can help you. That's your platform. I mean, that is, if you think about it in the old fashioned way, which is how it's meant to be, like back in the day, speakers would literally stand on milk crates and all sorts of things, a platform, a stage to talk from. Now we have email lists to talk from. Now we have Instagram to talk from. Now we have TikTok to talk from. So that's our platform in terms of the way we talk about it. Most people do not have this. Most people that come to us, I would say 80 to 90% do not have this, at least in the quantities that a traditional publisher would require. They're trying to sell at least 10,000 books out of the gate and 5% of your audience buys a book. So you can mm. do that math and take that 10,000 and times it by 20. Right. And you're looking right. at 200,000 people. Most entrepreneurs, even wildly successful six and seven feet year entrepreneurs do not have that big a top of funnel. So that's just something to consider. We of course have mm -hmm. a membership to teach people that. Um, that's not the greatest fit for everybody. Once in a while, we'll offer VIP days and very strategic uh, moments where we think mm -hmm. somebody can run with education and run with like a project list and create that gap. I just did that a couple of weeks ago. It was really fun. So, but that's a pretty advanced entrepreneur. That's like high six and six figures, low seven figures, fully supported by mm -hmm. a team that can really take and run with that. For everybody else, there's the membership. That's my passion project. Nobody else teaches it within the entrepreneurship world, at least the way I teach it with a traditional publishing background. And I think that's really important. So people will stay in that membership as long as they need to. And we're there to protect the book, right? We're there to develop their business, push their growth edge, but also like protect their future book and make sure they don't do something dumb that they didn't know was dumb in the grand scheme of what traditional publishing wants. Cause there's all these unwritten rules to that industry. And guess what? Those unwritten rules are constantly changing, constantly in flux. Mm. So it's my mm. job to stay on top of those rules and understand what literary agents are working for and then understand what they're get, hearing from editors at publishing houses so that it, it sort of trickles down to us and our authors. Then the last thing is proposal. The easiest part of all of it because we do it for you. So it's a book proposal. If you go on Amazon right now, you'll find probably five or six reputable books on books on how to write a book proposal. Don't waste your $25. I've never written an I've never seen an author written book proposal that was any good that I didn't want to completely scrap. Mm -hmm. um, that could just be me being egotistical and liking my work better than everybody else's, but it also could just be like, hey, a book proposal is a really hard thing to write because it's mm -hmm. a cross between, you know, an editorial document, a business plan. I often describe it as a business plan and a TOC on steroids, a table of contents on steroids, mm -hmm. and that's not an accident. We do proposals um, routinely for authors. We only write proposals for people that are ready. A lot of people will take your money and write a book proposal that literally is just going to be a really expensive Google Doc for you. We don't do that. And the, we look at the potential first. You got to clear that hurdle. Then you got to clear the proposal uh, platform hurdle. And then you get to the proposal stage. Um, and we work with about 
10 to 15, maybe 20 people on average every year on that. Um, and we help them get book deals, right? So right now, 100% of our authors in the last year or two have been agented, which means they got literary agent representation, um, which is awesome. I mean, and that's my main goal because that's the thing I can control. I can control whether you get a literary agent or not to some degree. If I pick the right project, we write a plan and proposal for you. Chances are the 100 to 150 literary agents I personally know are going to be interested. Usually more than one is going to be interested. That's awesome. Now they take it and they do whatever they want to it, right? They might have a lot of changes. They might have zero changes. They take it. They work with it. They get it ready. They bring it to the publishers. And that's where our success rate falls to 90%. Because <laughs> there's one, in, you know, one in every author. Like if our success rate, my team last year was like, our success rate's 100% this year. We should just say 100%. I was like, no, no, no. Let's not do that because uh -huh. it's just publishing is such a subjective game. Like we never know what's going to happen. And so we have a good guess and, and we've got a lot of people behind us saying, yes, the literary agent is saying yes. They work on commissions. So then they don't get paid until they sell that book. So it's in their best interest to only represent authors that are going to get deals, preferably for lots and lots of money. So like, but every now and again, just you just have an author that doesn't succeed. But that 90% is exceptional. And that's because we are picking, picking projects the right way initially. And then also because we're supporting them throughout. So it really does make us difference. But I think in terms of the longevity of the book and the actual commercial success of the book and the happiness and fulfilled feeling of the author, that all comes down to platform. Man, these, I hope everyone was taking notes if you're listening to this, because these are like, <laughs> it's, it's, they're, they're just so like, it's, it's simple, right? But then it's just also very profound because it really checks off the boxes for most authors who want to, yes, like sell a lot of books, help a lot of people. You know, these things are really key. What's your idea? What potential is here? Um, what does your platform look like? How are you building that? And then going into that proposal process, right? I mean, that's that's a beautiful framework that you've laid out for us. So I thank you for that. I do want to shift gears a little bit too and just ask you just your your, your honest opinion also when it comes to the publishing industry. So mm -hmm. um, we've only been in this space for a couple of years. And uh, and I've, I've heard so many different stories from authors, whether they went traditional, hybrid or self-publishing and specifically for the ones that, you know, went with a hybrid or a traditional publisher. There's just like it's like hit or miss in terms of how they felt about it as an author. And in some cases, it's just this feeling of like, man, I got screwed. I should have went this way. I should have went that way. Um, and not to say it's sometimes it sounds like a disservice, I guess, when I'm hearing what they might have invested in it or put into it. And, you know, it was a flop. I mean, what what are you finding and what is your honest opinion on, you know, the publishing space and how authors can be more aware when they're navigating it? Publishing deals, just like any other business venture, can go cattywampus very quickly. Right. I, I like to tell my authors, think of your publisher as a business partner. A lot of people, authors, think of publishers as like this angel on high that can make everything magical happen. Publishers are not Robin Williams and Aladdin, okay? It's just not, <laughs> the, thing. <laughs> like, it's not the thing. They're not that way. They, they, they can't. They can't. They don't have the leverage to use your <laughs> word from your, from your podcast. They don't. 
They publish mm. thousands of books every year. The publicity and marketing teams at a publisher have the heaviest load of anybody in that building. Mm. Mm. And I like to tell my authors, hey, they're a business partner. And I used to compare it a lot to hosting a party with your friend and me. Your friend and me lives in a very, very nice house. And you say, I want to do a party with you. And she says, great. And then you realize as you're running up to the party that that bitch is expecting you <laughs> to bring the invitations, the guest list, the plates, the food, the alcohol, mm -hmm. the furniture. She's expecting you to pay her bill. She's like, it's just, she's asking you to bring everything to the party, right? And that that's really, really true. Now, I've seen on my authors too, that it is very hit or miss different. I've seen editors where I'm like, could you please stop editing? You're creating all this work for us. <laughs> the book's good enough. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then there's other times where it's like, I've had books go into production where the editor didn't even touch it. And I was like, I wrote that book. I, I'm going to tell you it's pretty good, it, but it could have been better. We were expecting you to like, at least like ask us some questions about it. So it really differ differs. The experience can really differ. I think the most important things you can do is A, hire someone to help you that's really excellent at their job. There's a lot of people out in the publishing streets, especially online, that don't know their butt from their elbow. And so I think that's really important to find somebody with professional credentials because there's a lot of people out there called book coaches that are very well-meaning, but they don't actually know what's up. The second thing is um, if you're going the traditional route to really, really vet your literary agent. We have agents in the industry who are highly reputable, but I would never do business with them just because I don't like the way they do business. There's also agents that are young or don't have much of a track record that are like, amazing out there what they do it all is really different right and there's also this whole world of what we call schmagents which are like kind of shady agents and that's like they might do things that aren't completely they're not unethical but they're not like by the unwritten rules of the industry right mm -hmm. they might play both sides they might take a cut they might charge you for things that other literary agents wouldn't charge you for and so that's all right if you know what you're getting yourself into but often right. authors don't and I think that's the biggest thing. Like we yeah. offer a ton of education up front um, and we love to help people individually as well. Um, and just say, cause everybody's situation is different, right? There's no one good thing for every single person. So we wanna make sure like we are giving you the advice you need for your situation. Um, but it does happen. It is, and especially because the industry is really opaque and there's not like a ton of visibility, especially in across all of them I was going to say in hybrid or stuff but like it's true traditional too like there's not a good visibility of like what's right what's wrong you know there's no legal standards you know it's not like it's working with a lawyer where you pay a retainer and they have a certain hours and everybody kind of works the same way it's, it's not like that at all it's a freaking wild wild west in a lot of ways <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's gosh, yeah, and it's 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 just important, right, to have all those things in mind and know what's going to work best for you, and just to be aware of the landscape, right? Because again, I just hear mm -hmm. so many stories. I'm like, gosh, like, that sucks. Like, that's what I have to just saying sometimes. The but, other thing about that is it's kind of like Yelp reviews. You're not often going to hear from the person who had an okay experience or like uh, a experience. True. You're going to hear people that have like either exemplary, like, oh my god, I had the best time. Or it's like this person, I got swindled. I got, you know, yeah, screwed. Yeah. Like 
you're not going to hear that. I've had a great time. My favorite publisher was delivered exactly what they said they would. <laughs> yeah. That is true. That is true. I see reviews on certain places all the time and I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to like really pay attention I'm to this one star because yeah, because when you read it, it's like, I think you got some personal stuff going on, you know? Yeah, or like, you know? I always like to think of like, I had a friend back in the day who was Yelp Elite, and that man was like, his standards were just like crazy. Oh, oh man. And I was bet. like, I'm not gonna, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just no. No thanks. The well, one thing uh, I will add, though, is that you, yeah. can always, you can always ask for references. So when I have mm. clients like, being like, can I speak to another client? I will always say yes. And I always hook them up with a client because I think that's, I would want to do that, right? Yeah. And so I think that's really important that you can always, always, always say, hey, can I speak to one of your, you can do this at Penguin. You can do this at Random House. You can do this at Simon Schuster. Be like, can I speak with one of your authors? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's huge. And, you know, when you talked earlier, too, about how much you've helped your clients earn, I mean, that's really just powerful, right? We said two million, but it's actually four. So we want to make <laughs> yeah. sure that's updated. Um, but like, what is that revenue uh, totally made up of, right? A lot of what we teach at the Authors Leverage is really how to leverage your book into other products, other revenue sources that connect to the book. But I just want to be clear, is this 100% of like what is generated from the book alone, or does it also encompass other things? And, you know, if you yeah. can speak to that as well, the importance of having other, you know, experiences on the back end of the book to increase your revenue potential. Sure. I love, okay, so I love a good backlist book. By that, I mean books that sell year after year after year. So the publisher has two different kinds of like inventory, if you will. They have front list and backlist. Front list is the stuff that's coming out like right now in the in the calendar year so front list for us would be anything from you know that published in 20 it's december 2022 right now we're speaking i would say anything from january 2022 to like january 2023 would be front list right backlist is anything that's older than that where authors make their money in nonfiction and in fiction too is backlist so a book selling and selling and selling and selling and selling and selling, and selling. that's because publishers pay on advances so Something that a lot of authors know about is that with a traditional publisher, your contract's actually a license. It's a license kind of in perpetuity because we're not all going to live beyond the copyright standard, which is like 72 years or something. Mm -hmm. So if you're real serious, you can go way down that rabbit hole and see how to extend your copyright before you die and this whole thing. But anyway, so like, you don't need to do that, y'all. But anyway, so like, it's a license. Okay. So they pay you in advance on earnings. And so for our clients, we want six figures or more. Um, but that advance is meant to help you write the book, like hire help to write the book most of the time. And it's also meant for you. That's not true for fiction authors, but because um, you all are writing your own books, hopefully. But hire help with the book and then invest in your audience so that you can promote and sell the book or buy copies back from the publisher or whatever, right? So let's say that like, you have that six figure advance, you know, it's a hundred, let's just say a hundred thousand dollars for ease. The publishing house is going to invest that much money or more into their investment in the book, whether that's their overhead cost of just keeping, you know, the lights on and their people employed to like the actual people that work on your book, right? The editor, the production person, the cover designer, there's a million, the copy editor, there's a million different people. There's probably 25 people that touch the book. 
um, in any given stage of the major publisher. So all those folks are going to get paid too, right? So that's their 100000 investment. So now they're in for $200,000. The hundred paid to you as the author, the hundred that it cost them to produce the book. So at that point, they're $200,000 in. Let's say you have a $20 book, just again for ease of math. Then you're looking at 10,000 books to recoup that, right? That's where we get to that 10,000 number. Now, what happens when you sell 10,001? <laughs> that one book, you get the royalty. Now, royalties are skewed um, to the publisher because they're taking the upfront hit, right? It takes way, it's not a 50-50 proposition. Um, hybrid publishers often don't work on the 50-50 model where it's more of a profit sharing model especially if they don't give you an advance, that's how hybrids work. But traditional, they're gonna give you an advance. They're taking all the risk because you don't owe them that money back. If you sold zero copies, they're in the whole 200K. That's just the way it is, right? Hmm. And you get to keep your 100 and laugh all the way to the bank. But like, you don't want that. Authors don't really want that. So you have your 10,001 copy, you get a royalty on that. On a hardcover, it's $15 or 15%. So on a $20 book, that'd be like $2, $3 or something. And then, mm -hmm. you know, on a trade paperback, it's half of that, it's $1.50, 7.5%. .5%. Those are industry standard rates. Um, there's a lot of legends about who set those rates. Like Stephen King won't let anybody get below 7.5. So then it becomes a 7.5 standard. I don't know if that's really true, but mm -hmm. it's those are pretty standard rates. Okay. So where you get into that though, and where one of my authors earned $400,000, post her advance is by selling a shit ton of copies, right? By selling a lot of copies, especially in that backlist period where it's not costing you anything to promote these books. Often they're a loss leader for my clients who do, you know, huge facilitations to thousands of people. You know, they can sell mm. a thousand. I had a, a client once who spoke on at Deloitte very, very often. She would speak mm -hmm. to 500 people at Deloitte like once a month, great. You can buy 500 books from the publisher and there's your royalty, right? Then mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're making $1,500 on that speaking engagement above and beyond what you would have made ordinarily. So like, it just, that's how it, that's where the actual financial like outcome is. All the risk is upfront in paying somebody like me or joining our membership to help build your platform. All the risk is there versus like the end result. Once you get your book deal, it should in theory be mostly like a very obvious ROI, a very obvious return on investment. And I even think investing in, in us isn't that sketchy. We've got a great track record. And in our membership, the monthly dues are $6.99. Like if you can't make back $700, come talk to me. We'll figure out a way for you to make $700 a month. You know? <laughs> it's just like you're entrepreneurs. You should be, that should be like one client for you. You know, hell, it should be two con consults for you. It shouldn't be anything crazy. So that's the big thing, unless you're really at the beginning. And then it's just helpful to have somebody who knows how to do this in your pocket. But I think in, in terms of that, the risk of actually writing a book for most people is in that is more emotional or mental of like being like, I'm going to actually like do this seriously. Right. And I'm going to take the time to be told our clients are like used to, to being told they're wrong a lot. I do that a lot be like no you're wrong here's here's another idea or what's really going on here and like pushing people past their growth edge like i said before absolutely 
Man, that is powerful. And I love the way that you work with your authors. Um, I know that you have, you, you mentioned your platform builders program um, and you've kind of alluded to that already. And gosh, I could talk to you for another half hour because <laughs> it's just Maybe so Maybe we can do so it again. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like we'll come I back with the it. part two. So uh, anyone listening, if you have more questions for Megan about this, what this looks like for you from building your platform to getting a book proposal, all those things, uh, send us a note, let us know what questions to ask her next time for part two, because this is really, really great. Um, well, as we wrap up the conversation, like what would be your last parting words of advice and uh, where people can get in touch with you and reach out to you if they want to connect? So the two pieces of advice I give every author is number one, read a bunch of books. The amount of authors that don't read books, it, it, it sort of boggles my mind, right? I think like if you're, what I like to do is read bestsellers. I read bestsellers all the time and I'm like, oh, this book's really good. And why it should be surprising to me is beyond, but it is sometimes. And then <laughs> the second thing, so read, number one, read in your category, like your, you know, your colleagues, the people you're like, they wrote my book, read those books, but also read wide. I read Colleen Hoover and I was like, this is great. And I know why. And that's great for me because now I know, okay. Colleen Hoover uses relatability. She uses a little bit of controversy. Um, she goes somewhere where nobody else has really gone in fiction. Like, that's great. I understand why she's like huge now on book talk, right? I get why these books are New York Times bestsellers. I want to go out and buy the rest of them. So that makes sense to me, right? You can do that across genres. You can do that in genres you don't even really like very much. The second thing is that you really want to think about where your book is going to end up and by that I mean in the hands of readers mm. so not just who do you want to who you want to read it and by the way it is never everybody ever okay not even Colleen Hoover my husband's never going to pick up a Colin Hoover book so it's not <laughs> everybody <laughs> right it's not even that bitch can't do that and then <laughs> you back that up and you say okay well then where is my reader getting this book is her friend saying, ooh, you might like this? Is mm. she coming across my Facebook ad? Is he finding me on LinkedIn? Are they at a speaking engagement? Because then you can start to think, okay, what parts of my advice are applicable to that person in that situation? Mm -hmm. That's huge. I love that. And where, where can people, we'll definitely link to your links below, but where's best that you like to send people to connect with you? So, Great question. We're rebuilding our website. We're hoping to make it way more awesome for people to understand like what we do and how we work with us. I think my Instagram is always a great place. So okay. I'm at Meg Stevenson. Um, and also you can check out meganstevenson.com uh, for useful resources. M-E-G-H-A-N-S-T-E-V-E-N-S-O-N.com. Um, -E -E Beautiful. And we will link that in the show notes and wherever you are listening to this wonderful episode. And Megan, I just want to acknowledge you like straight up. You're probably I've met very, very honest people in this space. Uh, and I think that you're at the top of that list just because <laughs> Thank you. You, you just like you're just you're totally yourself. It's so authentic. And at the end of the day, it's just rooted in a place that's really wanting to see people be successful and be on the right track. So I appreciate that and love that about you. And uh, just so grateful that you got to share some of that with us today. Well, thank you very much. I take that uh, to heart. And it's so, it's so wonderful that it's coming true. It took me a little bit. I know. Time is time is a funny thing. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. yeah. It's fun. It's awesome. 
Yeah. I'll ask you one other fun question before we go, which is, what is your one word? So if there was one word from Megan to the rest of the world, like on a card or something like that, what is that one word that you want to make sure All people right. know? So it's two words, and I'm going to swear. It's <laughs> fuck it. Hey, I'm, we're going to find that into one. <laughs> okay. It could be one word. I mean, you, when you say it, it when you really get mad and you say it, it's like, fuck it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, tell, tell me a little bit more. Tell, tell us more about that. I think most of my most of my good outcomes have come from those two words, like being like, oh, I, I kind of want to do this thing. Um, and then, you know, the fear crops up and you're like, well, fuck it. Let's just try it. Fuck just it. do it anyway. Yeah. And right. then I have a, I have a very dear friend who I grew up with. Um, we dated in high school, first love kind of thing. And he's in his early forties and he's dying of cancer. Hmm. And that is the most ultimate fuck it from the universe that I've ever heard. Hmm. So. Hmm. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. Well, I, I so appreciate you sharing that and everything else you shared today, Megan. So, so good. Thank you. Hope everyone was taking notes. Like it was just, just solid. <laughs> so, so yeah. good. If you didn't follow me, y'all drop into Instagram and be like, hashtag fuck it. Be like, this yes. is what I decided to do. <laughs> that, that would be, make me so happy. Like it could just be like, I'm going to say fuck it and order the latte with all the different Belgian whistles. Like the lavender <laughs> latte with like the pistachios and the top. Like, and, hey, like, just, just do it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> i'm taking that so reminder hard. today too so uh, hard from I, yes <laughs> uh well thanks again megan so so awesome and thank you everyone for tuning in today hope you got great value from this and i highly highly recommend you connect with megan stay in touch with what she's up to and if you're looking to build your platform and get started on the best path possible i can't recommend megan and her program enough so definitely check her out and thanks again for being here this is the author's leverage been tuning into the author's leverage podcast if you're new here be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our latest guest appearances and receive the best of the best strategies on successful authorship today and be sure to connect with us and with today's guests using the links below this episode if you're interested in turning your bestseller into a premium and profitable online course head on over to our website and schedule a call with us today until next time remember Publishing creates credibility, but products create cash. You can repurpose your book as a learning experience to make the impact and the income you want as an author. We'll see you on the next episode of The Author's Leverage.